The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. I've done dumber things. I'll just say that. But that is up there with dumb things that I have done. But you know what? It all worked out once I got up there, I think. J.R. Strauss from ESPN 1000, thanks for coming on this Sunday. Thanks for having me, Will. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I was really curious. So I know you from ESPN 1000, but how did you get started with radio, ESPN 1000? How did it all kind of get started for you? Um, okay, wow. That's a great question. I I was one of those people that was a kid that was totally into the sports section of the newspaper, ran down to the bottom of the driveway to get the box scores, sat there and just you know devoured them before school. Uh, sports radio came to Chicago and, uh, it was one of those things I decided, you know, that's where I would like to do. I'd like to be in sports radio, but I didn't really know how to get there. Uh, wound up sitting in with some people that had a local broadcast, kind of a, uh, brokered time situation locally, uh, saw what they did and kind of got the radio bug from there. Went to a broadcasting school, uh, got an internship working for the station that was bringing back Howard Stern. So my first radio gig was unpaid working with the Howard Stern show, which was a lot of fun, as you can imagine. Um, You know, just running a board, and I was in Chicago uh, while he was in New York. So it was, uh, there was some freedom there that you could, you know, obviously your boss wasn't looking over your shoulder, but it wasn't really like being involved in a radio show, right? I mean, you're just kind of running a board. So that's all well and good, and a lot of people, make a living doing that. I did for many years, uh, taught broadcasting. And when I was done with the Howard Stern tenure, I had met a lot of people. And one of the people that I had met brought me into a fantasy baseball league. Nice. And in that fantasy baseball league was somebody who worked at ESPN and they just happened to so need somebody with my skill set. That's awesome. And that was 2003 and the rest is history. I've been there ever since. Did you end up winning that fantasy baseball league? I have never won that fantasy baseball league. I love baseball. It's, it's probably my favorite sport. I cannot get I, – I start fantasy seasons, and then I can't. It's like after a week, I'm like, I can't do this every single day. It Well, baseball especially is six months of every yeah. day, and there's yeah. injuries and tons of players. I mean, you've got 30 teams with 25 players, and then the rosters expand. It's, it's impossible to stay on top of. I can't, I can't even remember what I did yesterday, right? I mean – yeah, and, and I love watching all the games, but then it's like, and I, I mean, I'm I'm into all of it, but then it's like, oh yeah, I got to set my lineup. Even if I, I could just do a once a week thing, but I've just like, I'll watch it and everything else. But so going back to like the Howard Stern show, I assume you got to actually obviously meet or interact with Howard Stern much? Um, Well, being in Chicago and him in New York, I didn't really get much interaction with him. However, there was one opportunity where I was on the show with Howard. Uh, we were the closest affiliate to St. Louis at the time, and he had a story that he wanted covered. And he called our station, and I was the lucky one who got to go down to St. Louis and meet an E-crew down there and shoot a story with uh, the E-crew that never made the air. Oh, wow. Well, at least you still have the experience. How was that experience in general? It was great. I was on the air with Howard uh, across the country. I had lots of people who checked in with me and heard it, and that was really that was really neat. And it was the mid nineties. Remember this was the yeah. infancy of the internet. Really. That was just really just radio was where it was at. So that was a lot of fun. 
So I have to imagine, like you said, it was it was really cool to be able to have that internship and work on the Howard Stern show and kind of, I guess, kind of interact with him at least a little bit and all the and everybody in general, not even just Howard Stern, but just that entire situation. Yeah, I, well, and the great thing about WCKG was that it was a lot of the old loop jocks in Chicago, a legendary station here. So I got to meet some of the people that I listened to growing up. And they taught me a lot about the business. And in turn, I think that helped me, you know, learn what I needed to do going forward. Yeah. So you run the board. So was that kind of um, what you were maybe setting your sights towards? Or was it more just radio in general and whatever it was, you were going to be like, I want to do that? Or how did you, I guess, how did that, like the specific role that you're doing now? Um, I have to imagine maybe that was what you were looking to do. Or maybe you were just thinking, I just want to do whatever it does, whatever I can to get into the the, the business, basically. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I kind of envisioned myself as somebody who would be talking more, but uh, it turns out that I have more of a knack of the behind the scenes stuff, which seems to be a lot of fun. I run the board and then I do all the remote broadcasts now for ESPN as well. Um, And then, you know, I have the weekend stuff where I'm doing weekend overnights at a rock station, which is a lot of fun for me. I have my hand in sports and music at the same time. So really for me, I wanted to be involved in radio. I never really knew where I would be. I grew up listening to WLS in Chicago, all the great legendary jocks, you know, Larry Lujak and Tommy Edwards and, you know, guys like Brant Miller that are still in town today. Um, You know, people that really helped make you entertained when there was no other form of entertainment like you and I talking right now is something unheard of 40 years ago, obviously. So that makes me sound like Old Man River. The beard helps maybe a little too, but it was totally different back then. And those jocks, those days were larger than life. And that was what I gravitated towards. Always that time of hu- that type of humor, um, the theater of the mind stuff, all the great stories that they used to tell. And I always thought that was a lot of fun and something I wanted to be involved in. Yeah, the beard is epic, just for the record. I love the beard. <laughs> so it, it was a pandemic beard, just for the record. And it is uh, something that has made me much more visible, I'm not going to lie, which is a good and bad thing, but it's great. It's a lot of fun and I get a lot of laughs out of it. So you didn't always have that like before 2020? No, no, <laughs> so, I did not. And so it's just been going ever since 2020. You haven't had to do anything or have you kind of trimmed it or uh, I don't know, kept, I guess kept it up or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I keep it up a little bit, you know, I mean, it, it'll get trimmed when I get a haircut or every once in a while, I'll, you know, treat myself to a beard trim. You know, it's kind of new for me too. So I'm still working it out. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, I, I've heard you definitely, you know, whether it's Cap or whatever show, I've definitely heard you on air, and I don't know if I, I don't know when I first saw, like, saw you, I guess, so I just remember the beard anyways, but uh, definitely epic there, but yeah, you know, the the behind the scenes stuff is kind of something, like, I'm not in any, I'm not in any formal radio job or anything like that, this is just for fun, but I've really gotten to grow an appreciation for the behind the scenes work, not just the on air, but what goes on behind the scenes and just talking with like, it's whether it was you, Eric Ostrowski, Tyler Aki, Chris Black, even, you know, talking about all the different things that they do that you guys do. I think it's really cool. Like you were mentioning, uh, I saw you on the Twitch last week when Chicago's college tailgate, when you were there with Black and Abdallah um, doing all that you're doing. I can't even imagine or even start to, I guess, comprehend what all you have to do. But uh, I think it's really neat what you are able to do in terms of putting together shows or the live streams or every every and anything that's going on, basically. Yeah, thanks. It's a, it's a fun position and something that obviously has, has been a growing position, right? We didn't always have Twitch. And with the pandemic, obviously, we weren't going on remote as much. So my position has been kind of evolving and changing over the last year. 
which I appreciate as well. I always like doing something different, you know, doing the same thing every day is well doing the same thing every day, right? It's good if that's what you're into, but I like a new challenge and something different every once in a while as well. And I, you know, every host that is on the air has been behind the scenes. They've all done it before. Most of them, unless they're, you know, Howard Stern, who I would imagine probably did some behind the scenes work as well back in his his day. Most people have to start there and work their way into an on-air role. So look at guys like Black and Abdallah. Those guys were producing for years, and now they have their own night show, and they're great together. Those guys have been doing stuff together for years, and you can tell just by listening to them. Oh, yeah, that's for sure, definitely. And, you know, it's funny with Howard Stern himself. I I even have thought recently, like, I need to go back and watch or listen to more of his stuff just to, you know, see what I can learn or maybe incorporate in my own way because I know he's, like, among the gold standard of people that are – have doing doing what he's doing interviewing and things like that but and also you mentioned it so you also do the i wrote this i wrote the uh the station down it's is it is it pronounced 95 will rock or w-i-l-l rock yeah w-i-i-l yeah so it's wisconsin and illinois right there on the border so it's will rock yeah very good yeah so uh how long have you been there what have you kind of what's your role there uh, so I do weekend overnights as I get teased about in the Cap and J Hood morning show seven, yeah seven to ten ESPN one thousand. Uh, it's a lot of fun for me because I've always liked music. I have a pretty extensive music collection, and I like talking about music a lot. When I'm not talking about sports, I'm usually talking about music. So for me, that's just an extension of more radio and more fun, and just more ways to have conversations with people. Yeah, and I assume, I mean, I'm I'm guessing, but I'm sure that you and Xander probably talk a lot of music, right? Xander and I have worked together. Well, Xander and I worked together at CKG as well. We've done some work as well when he was out at the station in Rockford. I've known him for, gosh, 30 years. So yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah, I could definitely, I could I could just see that just based on when I've listened to him and Hubner. Um, they'll talk a lot of rock or music and things like that. So I figure there's probably a, a connection there for sure. And then I have to mention it. Um, I had to go back and find it, but I was thinking about it. I, I knew I had seen a crowd surfing video when you did that. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty badass. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that was uh, my friend Katie and I were at Riot Fest and it's something that I was interested in doing. And, you know, she's kind of the little devil on my shoulder saying, do it here. I'll hold your stuff. Oh, there just happened to be four six foot two guys standing next to you. I'll tap them on the shoulder and, and tell them that you're interested. And then by that time it was too late. And I I've done dumber things. I'll just say that. But that is up there with dumb things that I have done. But you know what? It all worked out. Once I got up there, I think I had a couple things going for me. One, I'm a buck and a half soaking wet. Two, I look like this with this beard. And people probably figured, hey, if we drop this guy, he's going to break into like 30 pieces. So we better keep him in the air. So uh, I made it all the way to the front. Security gently dragged me over the railing and I was good to go. No worse for wear. It was pretty amazing, actually. Well, there you go. Would you do it again? Oof. I... I think I would be pressing my luck if I said yes, but I will not say no. How's that? Yeah, I get that. I, I'm trying to imagine me like jumping into it or something like that. I assume like you you assume, of course, they're all gonna catch you, but I'm like, I wonder how that would feel. Man, it's yeah, stage diving is a whole different thing. That's a lot of trust in a lot of people. I would I would like to hope that you have a couple people in the front that you know are gonna catch you, but I, I know it doesn't always work out that way. I don't think I have those stones. No. And I appreciate you repping the Cubs hat as well when you did that. 
Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm a, I'm a Northside fan, uh, always have been. So when they won in 16, it was a uh, life goal, yes. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and chat Cubs. And I'm a Cubs fan. You can see the shirt, the, mm-hmm. the 16 shirt. Yeah, so obviously lots of things have happened with that team over the last couple of years, and the inevitable, I would say, happened with the trade deadline. Were you expecting it to go? I mean, no one could expect from 16 to 21 what would have gone down, but as we got into 2021, I didn't expect that group to stay together if they were not winning. And I'm glad, honestly, that it worked out kind of the way it did because if they had they won, you know, a bunch of games going into like June or they're playing kind of well. And I was thinking, do they go for it? They're probably not going to win at all. You're going to you're going to press your luck if you keep guys, can't keep them, you know. Um, so they had to make the trade deadline happen. But what was your thoughts with 2021 as it played out? I think if you go back to 16 and you look at the way that they structured everything with the core, right, with all the young guys, you knew either it was going to work or it was all going to be over at the same time. So they were going to put themselves in a, quote, good position. Now, good for who is the question, right? It's good for them financially. It's not really good for the fan at this point. But I don't think any of us envisioned it working the way that it did or not working the way that it did, right? It was just the start of the run in 15, and then they won in 16, and you're going, okay, this is the beginning of something, and then they fell short the next three years, and you're going, hmm, maybe the offense isn't working. And you saw it in the postseason, one run against Colorado, one run against the Dodgers. Like you just, you're not going to win games that way. Not, not, not in this day and age when offense is just everything. So I, I think it had to be done and it, it saddened me to see it. Do I wish Rizzo was still here? Sure. Do I, do I think that he wishes that he accepted maybe that deal that he was offered that he would turn down? That was, you know, uh, I mean, I hear what was it, one sixty-five. I mean, I, I, we can all guess what it was, but you know, I heard that he offered, he turned down a multi-year deal. I heard Bryant turned down a multi-year deal. Now, I don't know if this is true. This is just rumor, but I, I wish, I wish it didn't work work out the way that it did. But it did, and now we have to move on. Which sadly, this year is not going to be pretty. I think the the recent signing of you know, of Wade Miley shows you the direction of where they're going. $10 million, you can get out of the deal, you'll flip mid-season, and, you know, you can get something back for him, maybe younger, building towards the future. What do you think their payroll's going to be this year? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because everybody keeps saying, like, oh, they're going to have money to spend, but I'm like, they're not going to spend this year. They're not going to... You're talking about Ricketts, who hasn't wanted to spend lately anyway, and now you do free up payroll, but they're not going to spend this year. And I know a lot of people are like, bring back Castellanos, bring back Rizzo, Bryant, all that. And I'm like, well, first off, does Castellanos want to go to a team that's in transition? Does Bryant or well, they're not bringing back Bryant and Rizzo and all this guy that that's done. But well, if they wouldn't pay Castellanos before, they're certainly not going to pay him. Right. Now. Exactly. And I'm thinking, why would he want to come back? Unless they thought, you know, unless you're looking at a team like I, I, I think of Detroit, not to say they're going to be a contender next year, but I feel like they're getting closer and I could see them making that plunge for a guy or a guy that thinks, oh, I could be the difference maker. But the Cubs are in transition. They're trying to figure it out and go, you know, kind of go back towards like 15, that era again, you know, in terms of uh, turning the corner. And I don't think a guy is going to say, yeah, I'm going to opt out of the Reds to go to the Cubs right now. Right. Well, that's the Chicago sports fan arrogance, right? Well, why wouldn't they want to come here? It's Chicago, right? Look at this market, third largest market in the country. Do you think they think about any of that? No, they want to win, right? If I'm a free agent, you know where I'm looking? The Dodgers, the Giants, the Yankees. 
Yeah, I want teams that are going to win. Boston, yeah, those are the teams that you know every year are going to throw down the cash and they're going to win. And the Cubs, I don't think they're going to spend the money this year. No, I don't either. I don't either. Yeah. Now, yeah, and like I've I've said this before, I kind of felt like in 2019 they should have done like a, a mini whatever, a retooling on the fly, maybe trade some guys, try to get something in the middle instead of like go all the way to 2021. And of course, 2020 was so unforeseen. No one thought a pandemic was going to happen and that would play out the way it did. And Brian and Baez were so bad and everything like that. But so not to say that I'm glad 2021 happened the way it did, but I'm glad that they did trade guys to get what they could at that time. Really, they could have probably done better. They probably could have traded some guys sooner, but we all didn't want that to happen either. We were like, we don't want to break this this group up, even though it wasn't working. I know hindsight is twenty twenty now, but it is what it is now. Things should have probably been different leading up to 2021, the way it happened. But I guess considering who they got for guys, I mean, I know it's all lottery picks and who knows what's going to happen, but it sounds like some of these guys could be really good. We'll see. Well, also, I mean... I think every, again, every team is guilty of overvaluing its prospects, right? Remember the untouchables. Oh, you yep. can't trade Ian Hap. Yeah. I mean, here we are, right? So this, I think every team does that. You fall in love with a prospect. You fall in love with your guys. And then when they're not what you think they are, you're like, ah, oh, well, we should have traded them earlier. Well, you know, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, exactly. So do you think, you, you talked about Rizzo. I loved Rizzo also. I... Honestly, I had fun watching. I mean, not to say I didn't want him with the Cubs anymore, but I felt like that that was ending. And I did have fun. I actually have a, a Rizzo jersey with New York now. I was wearing it on Friday when I was talking with Tyler. But uh, I kind of I had fun watching these guys, you know, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, playing for their separate teams at that point. It was kind of fun to follow those storylines. And obviously in Schwarber, too, with Boston. I mean, I know he's with the Nats, and then he went to Boston. But... It was kind of fun for me, I guess, because the Cubs weren't fun at that point. Although they kind of sure, you you watched them all homer in the postseason, and you're thinking to yourself, "Well, why couldn't they do that in our jersey?" Right? I mean, we could have used those runs, right? Exactly. Hey. Yeah, yeah. It's like it wasn't working as a collective unit, but individually, they're all great, and we know that. But I mean, I don't know. The Cubs were kind of fun, even though they were out of it with Schwindel and you know the Patrick Wisdom story. But it wasn't the same thing, obviously, at that point. I had a hard time watching towards the end. I'm not going to lie. And, Me too, yeah. Uh, and boy, you want to talk about bad timing, the marquee network. Mm. I, I mean, yep. think about that. What is drawing people to that product right now? I, I can't imagine that. That's just poorly timed. Yeah, no, I was not having fun with it. It was a bad. It was an ominous start when Len Casper left at midnight to go to the White Sox. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Len's great. Work, working with him is a lot of fun. Super nice guy. Um, and, you know, he said he always wanted to do radio. He's very good on the radio. So I, I don't doubt that. For sure. Yeah. So um, you're a Cubs fan, but I know the, the station has the agreement with the Whites. The, you partner with the White Sox now. Mm -hmm. Were you kind of a Sox? Like, were you kind of thinking, like, I want the Sox to do well even before that whole thing? Or or uh, is it just strictly business, basically? And it's like, okay, they're on our station. So, of course, we're going to, you know, want them to do well and all that. But do you kind of have, like, a soft side for the Sox? I do have a line that I draw. I mean, look, I was at a couple Sox games this year. I like I like baseball. I like going to baseball games. I like I like the American League. I like the National League. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. I like baseball. So for me to get the opportunity to go to a postseason game was tremendous. I was at one of the games. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, the atmosphere was tremendous. I enjoyed seeing it. Now, 
can I say that I was rooting for the White Sox in 05? I, I, I can't say that. Was I rooting against them? No, I'm, I'm always rooting for a good series. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. That's would, fair. Would, I be, would I be happy if the White Sox won? I'd be happy for my friends that are White Sox fans. That's a good point. Yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of having fun with the uh, I don't know if you watched the Braves Astros World Series. I was having fun seeing guys like Soler, Jock. You know, I was rooting for them. I was kind of rooting mm-hmm. for the Braves at that point because I thought I don't know. This feels like their year. They got past. I I, pr- I picked them against L.A. I for some reason thought yeah they could win that series. And then I picked them against Houston in six. And it was fun watching that play out with you know Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler and you know former Cubs having some some success there. Boy, you got to feel for a guy like Acuna though. Oh I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, what do you do? You stare at that ring and you go, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what do you do with that? I, I, I do hope, and I, I think he will. I know it's tough coming off any kind of injury. I think he'll be fine. And he'll come back and play very well, and he should come back hopefully as strong as he was before he went down. But, yeah, that's true. It's got to be tough, but at least they won. It'd be worse if they lost, I think. So is that it for baseball then? Are we done? Are we going to see a lockout then too? And then is the DH just going to be forced down our throat next year as well, the next time we see baseball? Are we done seeing pitchers hit? I we probably are going to have the DH. I don't think there'll be a lockout. I mean, that might be ignorance on my part. I was just telling my Cardinals friend earlier, I was like, there won't be a lockout. He thinks there will be. I don't because I think there's too much money involved. Now there might be a start to the season that's delayed or something like that, but I'm confident even with the incompetence of Rob Manfred and the players association, I do feel like they'll still figure out an agreement because there's just too much money involved. But maybe I, maybe that's me being ignorant and I haven't been following it as closely as I should be, but I don't think there will be, but do you think there'll be a lockout? Uh, I do. I think the owners are in no hurry to start the season. I think that they can eat those games in April and maybe even into May Yeah, and not even worry about it. As long as it doesn't affect their postseason money, I, I think they're good with it. And you know, it's you've got two really powerful entities with the players' union and the MLB owners. There, that's a lot of money right there. So I'll be really curious to see how this goes down. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, do you think there will be a DH? Are you against the NL having the DH, or do you like the differences between the AL and I, the NL? I I do like the different. Well, I, see, so I'm going to sound like old man baseball here and say that I I'm pro pitchers hitting, and here's why. Okay. I, I, I heard this said once, and I, I wish I could credit it properly, but it, I, I don't remember who said it. You'll never convince me to that two players should be playing half the game, right? So a pitcher shouldn't hit, and then a hitter shouldn't play, right? So I, I'm, I'm not for the DH. Also, if you remember going back to high school, some of your best athletes were your pitchers. Those guys could hit. They, they hit fourth, and they started every third or fourth day, right? If you maybe stretch it out and said, hey – we're not getting rid of this, so maybe we change this, and we, if, if we have pitchers hitting, it might change the specialization aspect of the game, which in turn might actually make the game shorter if you had pitchers that could hit because you wouldn't have to swap them out as much or you might have to think about that a little more. I mean, these guys, at one point, they could all hit. So, again, I know they don't have the time to spend in terms of that when they're you know spending time practicing their craft. But, man, there were some of those pitchers that can still do it. Jake Arrieta, that guy was a great, you know, great hitter. Again, in spots. It was more fun and kitschy. Right. I get it. It's, yeah. you know, people like offense. But I still think it's part of the game that the pitcher should hit. And it would also change that uh, inside part of the plate for some, I think, as well. Yeah, I, I 
never minded the the difference, like the AL having it, the NL not having it. And it's like, okay, I can adjust that the NL has the DH. Like, sure, it'll probably benefit your team offensively, but I would be fine having it as it is currently, but I'm sure that's going to, you know, change. But I'm just glad they're getting rid of the ghost, was it the ghost runner and... I yeah. think they're getting rid of the seven inning doubleheader, right? I, I can't think remember, so. but I think yeah, they're getting I, rid of that. I don't get that either. I mean, okay, I, yeah, baseball games are long. I get it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where everybody's going in that twenty minutes. They're looking to save. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what everyone's hurry is. Okay, so it's going to go from three hours and forty minutes to three hours and twenty minutes. Right. It's still going to be long. Awesome. So it's still a baseball game. I mean, it's just a different pace, and everyone wants things. You know. Now, instantaneously, there's this, you know, I, I don't know, man. There's something to be said for just sitting in the sun and enjoying yourself on a June summer day. I know. the base, Baseball, I mean, I get that they're trying to, uh, like you said, be faster and get with, you know, the, the Twitter, uh, you know, having instant stuff just like that. You know, an NBA game can be done in, what is it? I don't know, three hours, I guess, or an NHL game's two and a half hours, but... I mean, college football is a long sport. NFL games can be long. So it just depends. I get, I don't know. There's still, I feel like baseball tries to cater to the people that aren't fans anyway. And you're in, you're going to alienate your existing fan base. Well, your existing fan base is in their mid fifties and they're all, you know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They, we are all in uh, trouble. I speak for myself here. I'm in the early end of that stage, but if it doesn't, make itself available to the next generation, it will disappear. And it already has to most of the youth because, again, I sound like old man baseball, but they don't do themselves any favor by putting those games on late at night during the week. True, Yeah. It's the championship sport. You're, you know, the future of it should be awake to see it. That's true. That's true. Did you like, uh, like my dad would always advocate for the day games, obviously, and I mean, yeah, day games are fun, and I do get why the World Series is on at 8 o'clock. But like you said, 8 o'clock, so the game, especially if it's a long game, it's going to be midnight or 11 p.m. And, you know, obviously, like you said, most people, most kids, kids or people in general are going to be asleep for school or work the next day. I mean, I don't know if the answer is a neutral site or, you know, maybe day games or day games during the weekend just so you can showcase it every once in a while. It's all about revenue, though. I mean, if you can maximize that revenue during the daytime, people would be for it. But there's more money kicking around at night. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, are you? I assume you're also Bears, Bulls, and even Blackhawks fans, or? Yeah, I I dabble in all those. I mean, I would say Bears more than anything. I think mostly Chicago is united on that. It's the one team town, and everyone gets behind it and screams the loudest about it. Um, They've been kind of torturous to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, probably ever since their playoff, well, the, what was it 2018, I believe, right? When they kind of went on their run and lost to Philly in the playoffs. I think it was 2018. But ah, the double doink. Haven't been a fun team really since then. And the funny thing is, Matt, I mean, in my opinion, and probably most people, I listen to the shows all the time. So I know I know what the Matt Nagy, uh, what the vibe is out there with the Bears and the coaching staff and everything like that. But uh, it's not like they're... Uh, three and 13, three and 14 team. Although they seem like it based on how incompetent it seems like the coaching staff might be, or Nagy might be or whatever. So it's like his worst year is like a 500 year, but he's got to be out at the end of the season. You would think, right? Just based on the trajectory and trying Uh, to develop fields. 
you know, at the beginning of the year, I would have said, oh, no way. And then as the year has gone on, you've seen his lack of authority or authoritative position on things and subjects. It, it doesn't seem like he knows the direction that he wants to go and whether that's his fault or somebody above him pulling the strings, making him look foolish. It certainly doesn't build confidence in your team. So in listening to him talk every week, which is you know part of my job, you sit there and you go, what is this guy saying? And if I'm on the defense and hearing him talking about us, when people ask you a question about the offense and scoring, I'm scratching my head going, what is this guy looking at exactly? And I'm not even sure what he's looking at, to be honest with you. Yeah, word salad is what always comes to mind with Nagy. It's just the, the sound bites. I mean, I don't think he was... Th- he wasn't like this bad. Maybe he was always word salad, but like, you know, forget the playoff year. The first one, the first time anyway. Uh, the second year, I know, I, I remember Cap specifically, the second going into that second year with Nagy, he was like Super Bowl, they're going to win it all. They got Khalil Mack, they were ready to go, and then the offense was bad, and, you know, they were iffy, and since then, it's just been basically the same or, or worse, basically. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, ever since the club dub, I mean, the team is just, he doesn't. I, I don't know how he conned them. How he conned Pace into saying or thinking that he was an offensive guru. He's the worst offensive coach I've seen. Yeah, and you have to wonder about the talent as well. I don't know if if they over evaluate their talent again, which seems to be a common theme among Chicago teams, or maybe it's just again every team people fall in love with their guys, or if there's a lack of really good talent out there. Let's face it, playing offensive line is not the easiest thing in the world. And finding good offensive linemen is not easy in this league. So again, the Bears seem to have this problem where they can't find one. And then their drafts have been so horrible that it's not helping them. They're not restocking. So they're just, you know, they're falling behind. It's almost like they're being lapped by these other teams that are good. And you can fall out of bed and win six games in the NFL, or so it appears, unless you're Detroit. So you're you're middle of the road, you're no future, and now what? Now what are you? At least they have Justin Fields. How have you liked watching him play out? I know it's kind of, it's hard because he doesn't have a great offensive scheme or coach or anything around him, but we saw him almost pull it out last week against the Steelers. Well, he shows flashes of command, right? Yeah. Where you think like he's going to take over a little bit. Uh, I feel like the second half last week was a really good example of that. Um, and then there are throws that he makes that make you go, oh, man, that was amazing. And then there are decisions you say, no, 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 the minute he lets it go because he's young. And you know what? The de- the development of fields will be, I think, what is what determines whether Nagy or not keeps his job. And if he looks good at the end of the year, Nagy's going to walk into George and say, look, look how good Justin looks. Look how much better I can make him next year. That really puts fans in a rock between a rock and a hard place because they don't want Nagy back, but they also want Fields to look good. So if it comes down to that, it's kind of like, oh, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, it's definitely a tough one. I guess the best, if that's the situation that ultimately keeps his job or not, I guess you want him to look good. In, you basically just don't want Fields to get hurt at that point, but you also don't want him to regress or get worse. Oh, bite your tongue. I know, I know. Well, they're on a bye this week, so uh, they can't lose. <laughs> they can only they can only win, I guess, by not playing this week. So hopefully, uh, 
for the Bears' sake, nothing happens. But um, what is it, Baltimore they, next week? Well, <laughs> exactly. So, well, you know, it's funny. My dad has been so uh, against Baltimore this year. He, I mean, I won't lie. The entire league has been flaky. I was just watching Tampa Bay, Washington. Tampa Bay looks horrible right now, or at least before we started recording this. And uh, I still think they'll probably come back and win. I don't know what the score is right now, but. There's been so much, uh, whether you want to call it parody or just upsets or randomness all year. So the Bears could be Baltimore, but I don't know. I don't think Baltimore. The AFC, I don't know that there's one great team right now because Buffalo's kind of been iffy. Uh, Kansas City's not right. Baltimore, Tennessee are both. They look good, but I don't know. It's all about who's going to be healthy at the right time at the end of the year. I mean, if you can get your team healthy by the end of the year and qualify, you've got just as good a shot as anyone. It doesn't matter where you're seated. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting. The Bears should at least win that Lions game on Thanksgiving. That's all I've got for them. You think so, huh? Yeah, I think so. But you know what? Detroit, for an 0-8 Lions team or whatever their record is, they probably should have at least a couple of wins, and that would put the right with the Bears. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what the line is on that game by the time we get to it. How's that? We'll just yeah. leave it there. Let's uh, let's see how, what – I mean, what do the Bears have upcoming? They have Baltimore. Okay, so – you see, you think they're going to win the Detroit game? I w- I'll give them a good 60-40 odds. <laughs> okay. And then what's the next W after that? Oh, man. Let's see. Like, that's just it. If they beat... I don't think they would beat Arizona unless Arizona's hurt or it's just a cold, snowy day in Chicago that day. Uh, maybe Minnesota, maybe Seattle, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't think any of those are gimmies at all. I'm not even sure Detroit's a gimme, to be honest. I don't think so. I wouldn't call it a gimme. No. Not with the way the Bears are. That's just it. I can't trust Nagy. Ravens, Lions, Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings. Oh, the Giants, right. Yeah. Uh, none of those are gimmies. I mean, any of those teams could beat them or any given, you know, any given Sunday anyway, and then you throw in the Bears. <laughs> you know, it's and, tough. I mean, look at the quarterbacks, you know, with the exception, obviously, of Detroit, that they're facing there. Russell Wilson, right? Aaron Rodgers. Kyler Murray, maybe, right? Lamar Jackson. You know, you can play great defense, and then these quarterbacks are just going to run all over you. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm really, I, I, it does not look good from here. Let's just hope Justin Fields keeps developing. How's that? He develops and... But with who? Wait, but, but with who is my question, right? I mean, he doesn't have anybody to develop with. That's the problem. He doesn't have a line to block for him. He doesn't have a... I mean, you know, he's got, a, what, a couple tight ends that he's got rapport with and, and maybe Mooney? Yeah. That's it? That's yeah. exactly. It's hard. It's like you just hope that he just... However it happens, he just plays as well as he can. But, you know, I, I was going to say the, the Bulls have been like... Before the last, you know, before last year, they were the the laughing stock or the team that had the most issues. And then they, you know, they finally made changes and overnight they're, they're exciting and fun again. And it's like, it can happen. <laughs> a team can be good or turn it around. But for whatever reason, the bears front office must think they have the right people in place going back to the, uh, going back to last off season. And I remember the, the interview on Waddle and Sylvie with uh, George, George. Yeah. Uh, just, just, he was like, we have our football guys and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, do you really, <laughs> Well, and they don't have anybody to check them. There's, I mean, they can do whatever they want. It's, you know, that's the thing about the NFL. It's a powerful, powerful sport and a monopoly at that. Those guys can do what they want. And if you don't like it, you can go root for somebody else because they're not giving up ownership anytime soon. They're making money hand over fist. I mean, 
that Arlington deal, holy cow, that is going to be amazing once that comes to fruition. But it's still, I mean, we're still looking, what, five, ten years out on something like that. So Virginia's not going to be around to see that. I'll be curious to see how this all how this all changes. Yeah, definitely. Before we close, um, I, I was looking at your Twitter, and you also have the Strauss Project, right? Talk about that. Uh, so the Strauss Project was something that uh, was born out of my teaching. I had an opportunity to uh, cover some events and brought students out to shoot video at live concert settings. And it turned into something where I wound up inter- interviewing musicians on camera. Um, and it turned into a whole thing, which included going on tour with a festival and uh, starting a production company where we uh, did some videos for some people. So it's been a labor of love and something that I, I, I enjoy doing. And uh, I get the opportunity to talk to people that I've been listening to for years and talk about, you know, what makes them tick and what drives them and, you know, kind of like what, you know, what you're doing here. Yeah, I was just going to say, that sounds really awesome and familiar because, like you said, like most people might know, like, oh, J.R. Strauss, okay, I hear him on ESPN occasionally, but I'm thinking, like, oh, I want to I want to know what makes him tick. I want to know what he did or how he got to this position because I, I don't know that many people think about it, but like I said before, I, I think about the behind-the-scenes stuff or all the work that you're doing to help make the on-air talent look good or, or you know, assisting there, so you're you, – you know, guys like you and Tyler and Eric and everybody, you know, in general have like their hands in so many different things. So it's really cool to see and, you know, kind of see how it all comes together. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you noticing. And yeah, the people behind the scenes are the ones that make it all go. Yep. Those are the people the, that you need to know. If you want to know how to get in, they're the ones that can open the door for you. So yeah, I really appreciate you noticing, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, all of you guys at ESPN 1000 have been great and have helped me out, whether or not you, they all you all know it or not. I mean, I listen to you guys. You all interact with me on Twitter. <laughs> Black and Abdallah and Tyler sure know because I talk with them, interact with them all the time for sure. But it's always cool to talk with you guys. And uh, this was really awesome. Well, I appreciate you asking me to be on here, man. Thank you so much, Will. Yeah, definitely. Hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. Thanks, man. You too. Thank you.